Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me this week is Kip Adams. Appreciate everybody watching on StreamYard and also on Facebook Live this week. Uh, we're coming to you on Friday afternoon. Uh, Kip, we survived SEC Media Days. How is this Friday afternoon treating you so far? Yeah, I, I guess we tr- we survived it. It's you know, it's the media days are over. the uh, The week is uh is not, but. You know, it's uh, it's been an uh, interesting week. I didn't know what to really expect, and obviously, the biggest news of the week for Georgia actually came after Georgia was actually done with their section of the SEC Media Day. So, uh, plenty for us to talk about today. But I, I think it's uh, overall, it's it's been a, a pretty good week for us as far as being able to, you know, uh, g- give the latest in Georgia football, give our take, and uh, and kind of lock in as we prepare for the upcoming season because this this is it this solidifies the fact that the the season is right around the corner when we have our all sec preseason teams come out the the order of finish has been put out as well by the media so i mean we're here it's time to to get started with fall camp Uh, i think the off season which there really isn't an off season but the off season officially over i think for college football yeah, to me, this is always kind of the milestone in the off season. It's once you get through media days, you're going to turn around and fall camp will probably be here that maybe second week of August, something like that. And then before we know it, September 3rd is going to get here in that opener against Oregon. But I welcome it. Excited to get to the new season. Excited uh, just to discuss and, and get to see what this team does in 2022. Uh, well, let's jump into it, talking really about SEC media days. And I think we'd be remiss if we don't start with what was the big news. It came out on Thursday. I was sitting in the main room uh, where uh, I believe at the time uh, Josh Heupel might have been talking, Tennessee's coach. Uh, and I got an email from uh, Georgia uh, Sportscom. Uh, the contract has come in. We've talked about it a few different times. We've written a few stories about it. Kirby Smart's new deal uh, is officially signed, sealed, and delivered. 10-year extension goes through the 2031 season. It's worth a total of $112.5 million. Makes Kirby one of the highest paid coaches, if not the highest paid coach in the country. Really no surprise in that front, winning a national title last January. Uh, Obviously, the amount of success Georgia's had. Wrote this in a column uh, after the news was announced uh, that Kirby has the third highest winning percentage Uh, overall uh, of any coach in the country. I mean, you think about that, especially at this point uh, with as many seasons as he has under his belt, that's not a small sample size. Uh, Kirby's done such a good job of of putting Georgia among the elite in college football and and keeping them there. You know, they've done a very good job. Uh, As I mentioned in the column, a few bumps in the road early, you know, I was still a student uh, his first season and, you know, just narrowly avoided a loss to Nichols State, lost to Vanderbilt, uh, had some tough times early on, but 
credit to those guys. They figured it out, and obviously Georgia uh, is one of the marquee teams in the country. Uh, Kip, what are your thoughts on the extension on you know the the fact that Georgia and Kirby came together and, and agreed on this deal and uh, securing his status going forward as a Bulldogs head coach? I mean, this was this is inevitable. We all knew this since. Uh, you know, even when Georgia made it to the national championship again, we knew, you know, Kirby Smart was probably in line to get a pay raise. Obviously, when they won it all, we we knew this day would come this offseason, and we should have known that Georgia would have waited until Kirby Smart was done speaking with the media to announce this deal. Now it doesn't have to answer any questions. It's interesting that for some some people are – wanting Kirby Smart to still answer questions about the contract. I don't know uh, if there was a, a big, uh, you know, a brushback when we saw, you know, again, uh, these are contracts that these guys are earning. It's a, it's a free market, but when, you know, when Nick Saban gets his contract extensions, there really isn't anyone questioning that. Uh, I think, you know, you look at Lincoln Riley, the, the deal that he got at USC Everyone talked about how great of a deal it was. And uh, Kirby Smart, you know, did exactly what everyone had been screaming for somebody to do at Georgia, uh, you know, for the entire 21st century. He got it done, got the contract that is within line and fair for for what he's brought to Georgia over the last six plus years. And yet the timing of it was very interesting just because we're still talking about name image and likeness. And I think it's, it's, it's fascinating to me uh, as we cover Georgia to see a lot of people who don't cover Georgia on a day-to-day basis, kind of trying to use Kirby smarts contract as, as you know, their own talking point, uh, their own gotcha moment for name image and likeness and using his own quotes against him without using the full context of them. It's just fascinating. As far as the actual contract is concerned, it, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you would expect. Everyone had said it would be over a hundred million dollars. It'd probably be 10 years. And so, you know, that's right in line with where it was. And uh, that's exactly what you, you should give your head coach when he brings a national championship and he's not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. And he has your program recruiting at an elite level. Uh, that is the going rate right now. It's the same in college as the, it is in the NFL. Head coaches get paid a lot of money. That's not the income uh, pool that, you know, is affecting anything else, not affecting any student athletes out there. And it's not affecting name, image, and likeness. And for a coach who just came out there and pointed out that 95 Georgia players got NIL money, uh, we don't know for a fact, but he also pointed out that Jordan Davis, Keely Ringo, and Brock Bowers were getting the most at their positions. Uh, I think that as a head coach is probably supporting name image like this and Kirby Smart has said as much uh, from the beginning. So I just think it was very interesting that we got immediately when Kirby Smart got his contract announced, uh, we, you know, we got this big uh, everyone kind of going on their pulpits and and proclaiming that, uh, you know, pay the players when uh, it's got nothing to do with players being paid. They have their own open market now, and they're able to earn whatever they can, and it's got nothing to do with Kirby Smart. So I, I think it's great for Georgia. He got his contract, and it, it was a good week for Georgia. It was just uh, interesting, uh, you know, as soon as Georgia wins the national championship and they they keep their head coach for the, for the near future that, you know, there's, there's some weird negative uh, 
you know, quotes or uh, I guess takes being put out there to try to kind of brush back against that. I guess that's when you know you've made it uh, as a program uh, when people are trying to to use that uh, to kind of push their own agenda out there. Yeah, when you're made into a talking point, whether it's accurate or not, uh, that means you're probably among the top teams. A couple things you said there, Kip, that I wanted to hit on. It was kind of funny as far as the timing. It worked out well for Georgia because that might have been, what, a day or so after those comments at the Texas High School Association were overblown. You know, it, it was a situation where what was said kind of got uh, overblown, and, and Kirby had used a little hyperbole about his future. Well, then he turns around and signs a 10-year deal. Obviously, that makes it clear that, you know, he's sticking around and he's going to be in Athens coaching for quite a while. Uh, and also the NIL thing, you know, I was very – intrigued by the way Kirby talked about NIL, both with us, some of the local media had a chance to meet with Kirby and the players before they all went to the main room. Uh, so, you know, we got to hear a, a few different things that weren't exactly said in front of everybody else. But uh, Kirby kind of doubled down on the point he made with us as well as with the entire media that were in the, in the main room uh, in Atlanta, you know, using examples, using Dan Jackson having an NIL deal, the fact he's a walk-on. You know, talking about players who, you know, uh, one of the players has a dad that's sick uh, on dialysis and using that money for that. I thought that was really moving. And I think that's one of those things that the people that are pushing back on the people that you were talking about, Kip, the people that are like, oh, Kirby's, you know, against NIL. I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, he understands. And I think, too, you know, being a former player, he knows what these guys have gone through. I mean, he's been in their shoes. He understands, you know, that, and again, you know, NIL wasn't a thing back when Kirby played. That was something too. mentioning Josh Heupel again. Josh talked about that when he was at the stage, you know, he played at Oklahoma was a quarterback and he was like, you know, we want, we want our guys to make money. And he was like, heck, I wish NIL would have been around when I was in school. Um, I feel like that was sort of the approach Kirby took. He just wants guardrails, and he's not the only one. I know Jimbo Fisher talked about it, other coaches as well, to, to kind of make sure that it's not a part of the recruiting process. Rather, you know, something that rewards these kids once they're at their respective schools and allows them to make a little money because, I mean, it's a job. <laughs> these guys, you know, are working, and there's not a whole lot of downtime that they are not spending involved with football. Um, but yeah, with the NIL part of it, I, I really thought Kirby and talking to the media took the right approach in explaining what he likes about it, what he doesn't like about it. And it, it fit in line with what we kept hearing. It fit in line with um, what's been pretty much what I can tell the consensus from the other coaches um, is that we're in a situation where they opened Pandora's box with this and then decided afterwards to try to, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube and, and, Brother, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, the the whole point is the fact that we have a name, image, and likeness system is because the NCAA and the schools fought so long against it. And so that's why the system we have isn't really a system. And you hear the terms wild, wild west so often right now. It's because nobody was able to agree on how to pay college student athletes. And so it got pushed into a, you know, we're not going to figure it out. You guys figure it out. And so everyone's figuring it out on their own. And there's different rules in every state and different interpretations. And so this is this is what you have when, you know, there's no regulation. 
And so that's, you can't really blame that, uh, you know, on Kirby smart or, you know, again, the fact that he got a new contract. I just, I just found it fascinating. You know, we, we do live in a day and age where you can cut up a quote to make it mean anything you want. And that certainly happened this week, multiple times from different outlets with Kirby smarts quotes, but, at the end of the day, yeah, as you pointed out and start this conversation, he got a long-term contract, and I think that's a pretty a pretty big news for for a school that uh, earlier this week, uh, some people maybe thought that Kirby Smart was was ready to resign a year ago, taking other quotes out of context with when he spoke to those the high school coaches association in Texas and talked about just the long hours that went into the job in, in June 2021, having all those recruits on campus. That quote got taken out of context, and, and here we are, more quotes getting taken out of context. It's just kind of the way that, you know, it is for us right now these days, Jordan, in the media, you know, and, and being journalists trying to cover everything accurately and fairly. It's a, it's a bigger battle than I think it ever has been. But in, at the end of the day, I think Georgia is handling NIL as well as any program. I think the collective that they have partnered with is trying to build a sustainable system uh, for its student athletes. And I think the partnering with, with Truist Bank and, and just educating its players on how to handle, you know, having a different stream of income that they've never had before. Uh, I think that's probably a good move as well, but, that didn't get blown up as much this week. It wasn't viral, but for for Georgia, I think that they're doing the right things and, and locking up their coach long term. Obviously, a, a big deal as well. So I, I think overall, like we said, it's a very good week for Georgia football, and I think you know they're set up to do very well for the near future, regardless of where name, image, and likeness goes, or whether we find you know maybe they they recognize student athletes as employees down the road. Then we're talking about income streams being kind of shared. It's a whole different ball game when we get to that. But for right now, the way things are right now, Georgia's in a really great place and set up for probably a really another really big season under Kirby Smart. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I wanted to hit on just something I, I wrote in a column after the news was announced. You know, I looked at it as uh, looking at this contract from both sides. You look at it from Kirby's side. Georgia alum, as we all know, uh, was an Alabama assistant, was one of the marquee, if not the marquee assistant that people kept looking at as a potential head coach. You know, Kirby waited it out. He passed on, you know, certain opportunities he could have had to be a head coach. And then the Georgia job opened and, and he landed what I think it's fair to describe as his dream job. And, uh, you know, on the other side, you've got Georgia that, you know, they took a big gamble when they fired Mark Rick because even if it felt like things had tailed off, which being around the program then, you know, I think was fair to say, they still had won 10 games the last season Mark was there. Um, so there was risk on that side, and, and you wondered and had questions about what would happen. Uh, but Georgia landed Kirby, and obviously both sides have had a lot of success, particularly from 2017 on. Um, it was a situation as far as a contract goes where, you know, it was a no-brainer for both sides. You know, you know that the commitment is there from Georgia. They were obviously going to keep one of the marquee coaches in the country, and, and they paid top dollar to do it, and it was money that Kirby has earned. You know, again, that's just the, the nature of college head coaching. These coaches make a lot of money, and, uh, you know, given what the market is and given – what it takes uh, as far as paying these coaches, Kirby is worth those top dollars. Played for 
uh, two national titles and won one of them. Um, clearly that uh, I think it was in everybody's best interest to get this deal done and uh, set themselves up well uh, for what's going to happen next. Definitely. I think uh, Georgia's in a great spot right now. They got what has already been mentioned by some uh, experts, uh, a bargain. And I think you kind of laugh initially at that. The fact he's now the highest paid coach in college football, both overall overall income and, and average salary. But I think you're just going to see those numbers skyrocket in the near future. And we'll probably have a a Nick Saban $11 million a year deal announced before the season starts. I actually think he has a kicker in his contract. I think it's for the the average of the top three salaries. It automatically kicks him. But anytime you see somebody else go to the top, you have to wonder when will Saban get his next contract. It'll probably be pretty soon. And as he said at SC Media Days, He's not planning on going away anytime soon. So, again, I think this is a, a great rivalry for college football, and I think uh, Georgia is is built to last. And that's good news because uh, I've covered this program for over 16 years. I've seen the ups and downs. And I think if you look at the fact that, you know, they, they've basically had, what, three losses in the last four non-COVID seasons, uh, Kirby Smart has built this program to, to – take that next step and they have and i think they're going to continue doing that for the near future well we're going to go to a break here in a second but first i want to make sure and tell everybody if you're watching us on facebook do us a favor head on over to the dogs 247 youtube channel and subscribe if you do that you'll get notifications every time we go live and uh, we'll make sure and drop the link in the comments below so you guys can see it uh, and make sure and click on it and subscribe so uh uh, real quick, we'll take a break. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about media days, then talk about these next few days for Georgia's recruiting. We have got some big announcements coming down the pipe and uh, talk a little bit about what we expect there. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, let's jump back into SEC Media Days. Georgia went on Wednesday, was uh, at the beginning or right after Arkansas and Sam Pittman, and we had a chance to 
to listen to what Georgia had to say. I will say it was very interesting with Arkansas and Georgia going first. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, we had a chance to talk to Kirby. Then the three players, Stetson Bennett, Cedric Van Pran, and Nolan Smith, before they went out there to the main stage where you guys, if you watched on TV, that's where you would have seen those guys. And there was a, a little bit of a moment of overlap where Georgia was going out and uh, Arkansas was coming in and uh, got to see Sam Pittman and Kirby Smart catch up. And that was really cool. You could just tell. And, and Sam Pittman talked about this on the main stage, just how much Kirby has meant to him and, and you know, the opportunity that uh, Sam ultimately got to be the head coach to Arkansas. You know, that was because of the success at Georgia. I mean, that was at least part of the reason uh, Arkansas considered him. So that was really neat to see that kind of relationship and, and that interaction. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about what uh, we got to hear from the players, and I can kind of start. Uh, I was there on the ground in Atlanta, uh, you know, had a chance to talk to all three players. Was really struck uh, by Stetson Bennett, just getting a chance to listen to him. You know, I asked him about the spring. You know, he had told us really at the very beginning of camp, might have been the second week, um, that he really wanted to pull a lot out of the spring, that first spring being QB1. And, and I asked him what he took from that time, and he really emphasized the relationships. And I think that was something that we had all kind of keyed on. I mean, the fact that he was going to have a spring, working with those ones, being able to to get on the same page, figure out two with – uh, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, you know, what plays I like, what plays I don't like. I think there was a lot of va value taken from this spring, and I think that it'll only do sets in a world of good. I uh, want to shout out to, uh, he was asked, uh, I'll shout out uh, the athletic Seth Emerson, asked him if uh, if he knew who Rodney Dangerfield was, uh, kind of going with the, you know, don't get any respect line. And uh, Setson said he did. And he said the reason he did was because uh, Stetson's a big fan of Norm McDonald. So I was like, all right, a fan of Norm McDonald, that's that's uh, that's something that's a plus in my book. Um, talking about the other guys, too, uh, Nolan Smith. I, I really spent the most time with Nolan once they got out into the main room and um, just kind of getting to see how he's grown as a leader. I mean, he talked about the fact that he understood that was asked of him now, especially being a senior, being a guy that's been around the program and understands the standards. But it also, it really struck me that it doesn't seem like Nolan's the kind of guy that is going to change who he is. Talked about the way he is sort of lighthearted with the team. Kirby talked about the gift he gave him at Christmas, gave him a little just for men to you know try to get that, uh, that gray in hair a little bit darker. So that was pretty neat to hear that. And then Cedric, too, gave us some really good insight on Stacey Searles now having a spring, you know, under his belt back in Athens really seemed like you know, Cedric's taking the, that to the way he's being coached and, and that it is a little bit different than, you know, what they were used to with Matt Luke. But uh, I think it can be really productive. And that was that was a sense I got from Cedric. It seemed like, you know, I pointed out when I was talking to Cedric, he's one of the younger guys that was at media days I and mean, then only going to be a redshirt sophomore. Um, but I thought he took that really as an honor, you know, being trusted to be out there and have a chance to represent his team. Uh, it, it was just really interesting to talk to those guys. And then with Kirby, too, um, a, a lot of just uh, really helpful stuff as far as injury updates and, and heard good things about Tyke Smith, Tate Ratledge. Um, but the thing that really stood out to me was the fact that, you know, Kirby is, uh, again, sort of repeating what we got to hear in the spring uh, about not really worried about 2021. You know, he was asked about 
you know, his players resting on their laurels. And, and I heard him say this a few different times, you know, that he feels like these players have no laurels to rest on. You know, there were 15 guys on this team that were drafted in the NFL. Five of those guys, all five on the defense were first rounders. You know, he really wants it to be known among this team and, and with his players uh, that these guys haven't earned anything. You know, obviously several of these guys played meaningful roles on both sides of the ball on that championship team. But, you know, you've lost to Jordan Davis. You've lost to Kobe Dean. You've lost a lot of talent to starting offensive linemen. Uh, there are guys going to be put in positions this year that they were not in uh, going back to January 10th when they won that national title game. And I think that he really wants to make that clear. And, and just talking from the players, I think that is accepted. You know, he, he talked about, you know, Cedric talked a little bit about the the emphasis Kirby has made on really having them study, you know, giants who have fallen, whether it was teams, which I tried to get Nolan Smith to tell me, what what teams did you guys kind of look at from the past? And Nolan basically was like, I, I'm not going to answer that. Not, not going to throw anybody under the bus. Uh, but seeing examples uh, of teams, and they even said lessons from history uh, of giants that, you know, whether it be hubris or for whatever reason, couldn't back up, you know, what was a strong start or, or something worth celebrating. So very interesting to hear that. I want to ask you, Kip, just uh, from what you got to see, what sort of stood out to you or, or any quotes that you had a chance to check out? Um, what really stood out from the Georgia perspective as far as media days? I mean, definitely just backing up what you said, the fact that Kirby Smart is, you know, still fighting complacency. It's the thing he hates as a head coach. He never wants his team to feel that way. So he's going to remind them, you know, that they lost all these guys to the draft. And once again, it's in a situation where Georgia is replacing a lot of starters, but the same thing was said last year. You know, uh, this defense is replacing so many starters. We sent you know, all these defensive backs into the NFL draft, you know, how are they going to replace all these guys? We, we, you know, they lost Jermaine Johnson to transfer Tyreek Stevenson left via transfer as well, you know, and we saw what happened with that defense. It's it, this is what Kirby smart, his whole goal of, of building a program that can be, you know, that, that can go again, that can prove that, you know, it's not about rebuilding. It is about reloading. They want to be NFL draft proof. They want to be transfer proof. And you just do that by trying to get as, you know, the best 85 you can on the roster at one time. And I think you look at this roster and you could see, you mentioned Cedric Van Prant, you know, how young he is, but some of Georgia's best players are the younger players. I mean, the fact that they had the best tight end in college football as a true freshman. And now, you know, nationally, he is seen that way. Brock Bowers being, the best tight end in the country, but the fact that, again, they are going to be able to trot out Darnell Washington and, and Arik Gilbert, and Kirby Smart pointed out that fact. You guys, we got Darnell Washington too, and I think uh, Nolan Smith asked about that. He didn't even want to give away too much, you know, about getting them all in the field at the same time because, you know, that, that's part of their, their playbook, and that tells you that, you know, they're going to have the ability on offense to create a lot of mismatches. And and you look at Jermaine Burton going to Alabama, and now, you know, he's an SEC uh, preseason all, all for, you know, first team selection. Uh, Georgia's going to be fine there because they, they have guys who can create mismatches just because 
you know, they might not have a, a you know, wide receiver next to their name does not mean they're, they're not going to be able to make big plays. And I just think looking at that group and then thinking back and uh, last year, you know, they had Kyle, you know, Fitz, uh, John Fitzpatrick back out there replacing him with Gilbert. Uh, you're going to get a different look of, of three tight ends out there. And I just think that's the one thing that reminded me is do not forget about Darnell Washington. I think he's going to, you know, make people remember that, you know, when he burst onto the scene that there aren't guys that big able to get out there, get separation, catch passes. There just aren't, you don't, you don't see them that often. And the fact that he can move people, you know, at the same time at that position, I think that it's going to be something to watch this year. And I, and I think that Georgia's offense is going to be, a strength and one of the most explosive in the country. And I think you look at the wide receiver core of guys they have coming back with A.D. Mitchell, Dominic Blaylock, Lab McConkey, Kiaris Jackson. None of those guys made, you know, all SEC at wide receiver. So I think Kirby Smart has plenty of motivation for those guys to go out there and prove they're some of the best pass catchers in, in the conference as well. So when that all conference team came out and, and Georgia had nine guys on there, uh, Kirby Smart's just thinking about the guys that weren't on that list. And it, automatically he's got plenty of, uh, you know, locker room fuel for those guys. And, and that's what he loves. And, and so I, I think that's what I took away is Georgia's the defending national champions, but to a lot of people, they still have a lot to prove. And I don't think Kirby Smart would want it any other way. You talked about the tight ends. I asked Shane Beamer, the guy that, uh, you know, once upon a time was the tight ends coach at Georgia, just what he thought about the current room. And I think the two words he said right off the top was deep and talented. And uh, I think that's pretty, pretty apt description. And uh, the only other thing I want to throw in just from the players, uh, you know, and Kirby talked about this too, about what they felt like was disrespect or lack of respect for Stetson Bennett, which I had hit on earlier. And I was really struck by Kirby essentially saying on the main stage, if people want to keep doubting him, go right ahead. You know, they understand that, uh, you know, people may not uh, have him as among the best quarterbacks, but clearly he got the job done this last year and, and Georgia's counting on him to do that again this year. Definitely. I think uh, w with Stetson Bennett, I mean, is he a top five quarterback in the SEC? What are, what are our criteria here? Because statistically, he was a top two or three quarterback in the SEC last season by most statistical measures. And so the fact that he, he's coming back and he's one of the leaders in the country as far as passing efficiency, I think, you know, people are looking, looking at it's not just measurables because Bryce Young, we saw Sets and Ben and Bryce Young, they're, they're eye to eye. We saw them in the national championship that, you know, I don't think you can just look at size and, you have to put the fact that he wasn't on scholarship when he came in in the on the in the back burner too, because we've se we've seen walk-ons win the Heisman at quarterback in recent years. You know, with Baker Mayfield. So uh, I, I don't know exactly what people are looking for, what the criteria are for for ranking SEC quarterbacks, but I think that they're probably moving the goalposts to make sure the guys that fit what they think they're looking for in a quarterback. Those are the guys that they pick, whether that's the NFL draft. Okay. But for as far as the SEC and, and you know, college football goes, Stetson Bennett's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, is he going to have a top five season at his position in the SEC? 
I think there's a very good chance of that. I mean, if he throws for 3,600 yards, over 30 touchdowns, and, and pushes for 70% completion percentage, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to find three or four quarterbacks who are going to beat that kind of production. So I don't know what else you, you want to look for, but I think Stetson Bennett is definitely – should be in the mix, maybe not top three, but definitely top five quarterbacks. And he did not make any top five quarterback lists I saw watching, you know, media days all week on SEC Network. Before we get out of here, Kip, let's talk a little bit about the next few days in regards to recruiting. Georgia's got a few announcements coming up, a few guys, a few targets they've really uh, keyed in on and are hoping to get good news from. Uh, as we're recording this right now in about two hours, uh, Kelton Smith, an offensive lineman from Carver Columbus down there in Columbus, Georgia, is going to announce where he's going. And then on Saturday, five-star Jonel Aguero is going to announce his decision. How important are these next few days? What do you sort of see around these announcements and in any other uh, developments that might be coming down the pipe for Georgia? Well, uh, first off with Kelton Smith, uh, you know, we project him to pick – Georgia in two hours as we record this show and again that's an offensive line prospect that is a top 247 prospect he's inside the top 200 on 24-7 sports overall and I he brings exactly what Stacy Searles and Georgia wants in this offensive line class which is versatility he's a guy that's 6'5 300 pounds can play offensive tackle if you need him to but can make an outstanding guard as well. And I think that's really what stood out to Georgia and made him a priority early on in this class. And that a lot of eyes on Stacey Searles in the offensive line group because the last two offensive line coaches for Georgia, Sam Pittman, you know, uh, probably the best offensive line coach as far as recruiting that, you know, that we've, we've seen at Georgia. I mean, the five-star after five-stars, you know, he was bringing those guys in. So, uh Big shoes to fill there. And then Matt Luke obviously came in and, and took what Sam did and built an offensive line that helped Georgia to a national championship. So Stacey Sherrill's coming back to Georgia after being, you know, at Georgia uh, back when Mark Rick was on, uh, the head coach. A lot of eyes on him. How can he do? Well, you look at this offensive line class, if he's able to add Kelton Smith to a group that already includes top 100 prospect Bo Hewley at offensive tackle and Joshua Miller, uh, offensive lineman from Virginia that they had in camp, and he basically earned a spot in camp by impressing the coaching staff. He's got the, you know, the basis of an outstanding offensive line group. And then if he can land a guy like Monroe Freeling from South Carolina, another top 100 prospect at offensive tackle, that's exactly what you, you hope to look for in your offensive line class. A couple top 100 prospects at offensive tackle, a couple guys on the interior who can play multiple positions but have a lot of upside. So I, I think Kelton Smith would add to a, a solid group and make it a very good group with the potential to be a, a great group. And he was a guy that a lot of schools projected to Florida State early on. And then LSU and Texas A&M moved into the mix. So that's a big time win for Georgia if they land him today. And then Joel Nair has been at the top, if not the top of Georgia's safety board throughout this cycle. A guy that is ranked, whether it's the third best safety in the composite, second best safety overall on 24-7 sports. Uh, he's a huge prospect for Georgia and Fran Brown as he continues to work on, you know, what it looks to be an outstanding secondary class for Georgia. Another new uh, assistant coach for Georgia, first-year coach, who came in with a lot of expectations. That secondary group last year was 
the most heralded on paper that Georgia had ever signed. And when you get a group like that in, often it's tough to get, you know, the uh, big time commitments in the next cycle because they look at those guys and they're like, well, where am I going to see playing time? Well, Fran Brown has a chance tomorrow to, if he lands Aguero, which we project Georgia to do, to add to a group that already has a five-star in A.J. Harris you know, already has Justin Rett from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, a guy who could play corner, he could play nickel, he could play star. And Daniel Harris, a very impressive cornerback from Miami, Florida, that really checks all the boxes for, for Georgia in terms of that length, that size you look for. And we can't even forget the fact that he also, you know, also got a guy in Marcus Washington who's already enrolled at Georgia, you know, reclassified, is already on campus. So I think the secondary group for Fran Brown is, is going to be very impressive. And I think Georgia recruiting, it was, uh, I think, a week or two ago, there were whispers of uh, maybe Georgia struggling in recruiting. And now they get these two guys in the next 24 hours. They're going to be number three in the 24-7 sports team ranking. So I think Kirby Smart and this Georgia staff have a chance to still do pretty well in this recruiting thing. My, how the tables turn, Kip. Well, how the turntables turn. There you go. You got it. Uh, well, all right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Appreciate Kip hopping on. Appreciate you guys watching, especially everybody on Facebook, tuning in for this Facebook Live. Uh, just keep an eye out. We'll have all kinds of coverage of these announcements coming up and, and anything else from these next few days. It's kind of the, uh, the, uh, the we're coming to the very end, pretty much, of the off season, but uh, still very busy. Still got a lot of good uh, nuggets from SEC Media Days from talking to those guys. So there's going to be no shortage of stories. Appreciate everybody watching. Again, I would shout out and say make sure to subscribe to the Dogs247 YouTube channel. Go check that out. Uh, but we'll get out of here on that. Uh, for Kip Adams, I'm Jordan Hill. And until next time, take care. Go Braves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.